Golden State Warriors basketball. This is the Mark Jackson Show. I don't go with what the norm is. My goal from day one is to not be an average coach. Pull up three. Good. Now here's Mr. T on the Sports Weekly. Golden State will take it across the timeline, and Mark Jackson has engineered a one-year turnaround for the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and the David Lee, Andrew Bogut, the rookie core, horn sounds, the Warriors in the playoffs, secure the number six seed in the Western Conference dance, and they will take on the Denver Nuggets. It is indeed time for the Mark Jackson Show, presented by Stanford Hospital and Clinics, the official Team Physicians of the Golden State Warriors. To learn more, visit StanfordHospital.org. And brought to you by Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems. For a local dealer, visit Bryant.com. Bryant, whatever it takes. What's up, Coach? All is well. Thanks again for having me. Thanks for showing up. I always appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) So what's this been like for you? I mean, you've done this as a player many, many times, and you've advanced deep into the playoffs a number of times. What is this like as a coach leading a team into the playoffs? How does it differ from being a player? Well, the difference is, um, you know, you actually put together, you know, the game plan, strategy. You uh, come up with a situation to put you in position to win. As a player, the difference is my job was to follow the game plan, and then, you know, I was fortunate enough to make adjustments or call audibles in, in the middle of the game, but it's, totally different as a coach and it's it's uh it's very enjoyable to have an opportunity to with this group of guys especially so um it's another day at the office but it's an exciting time because i know what it means to the bay area i know what it means to this ownership group this management group and this group of players can you tell the fans that are listening out there when we talk about uh adjustments because i think when people think adjustments especially playoff times you adjust from game one to game two game two to game three I've always thought, and even as a player, Jack, that they're not huge adjust- adjustments. Maybe the way you, you you play the pick and roll, or maybe fronting somebody instead of staying behind him, or maybe where you push the ball, or how you how you want to get back on defense. I mean, when you look at the adjustments, can you tell us, like, maybe throughout the course of the season, some of the things that you would do and what what you really think of when you think of adjustments? Well, I mean, it's a great question, and to me, um, I believe, I truly believe that it's overrated, um, just like you just finished saying. Uh, at the end of the day, coaching is about adjustments, and you make adjustments during the course of 82 games. You take, for example, the last game against you know Portland. Well, we go into the game playing LaMarcus Aldridge straight up. The guy gets hot. He begins to you know hurt us defensively. We double-team him a little bit. We front him in the post a little bit. We get the ball out of his hands. Um, I think the difference with the playoffs, short as game-to-game adjustments, but as usual, there are in-game adjustments that put you in position to win the ball game. So I don't really think it's that big of a deal. Defensive transition, I would imagine, is a a point of emphasis uh, playing this team. How are you going to handle that? How do you make sure you get the you know the the floor balance on offense necessary to make sure you get guys back? And will we see you know your three guys, Harrison Barnes and others, uh, not maybe crash the offensive glass as much as they would against other teams? Well, the objective is to have you know all your perimeter guys, the one, two, and the three, 
Uh, we're not a great rebound, offensive rebounding team from the small forward position yeah. anyway. Not many teams are. So just then going against one of their strengths, you want to make sure you have everybody committed to running back. And uh, one of the ways of doing that, you got to make sure that you take care of the basketball. Um, you're feeding that transition if you turn over the basketball. They're so good at running the lanes, finishing in transition, and making you pay the price. So we got to take care of the basketball. And then at, at, at best, uh, at worst, we got three guys back in transition protecting the paint. And then at the same time, we need our two bigs to run back also. That's going to be essential to, to being successful against this team. There's a reason why they've had a great you know regular season at home. They've been off the charts. What can you say about the? I mean, defensive transition because a lot of a lot of teams now, when you get back in defensive transition, it's get back around the three point line and then make sure you get on get on three point shooters. This team's different in that they just want to attack the rim. They are relentless about attacking the rim. Everybody on the team likes to take it into the paint. Is it going to be different? Do they players have to have that mindset that I can't let up around the three point line? I got to sprint back until I get two feet in the paint and make sure that we protect it and then start going out and guarding perimeter players. Well, we got to, we've got to be committed to protecting the paint. You know, they're a team that is dominant in, in paint, uh, points in the paint, and it's going to be important for us to protect the paint primarily and then funnel our defense out. Um, and then when, they, when they're throwing the ball around the perimeter, you got to also be committed to, to containing triple penetration. You know, Ty Lawson does a great job of, getting into the paint and making plays. You know, Andre Miller, Andre Iguodala, you know, Wilson Chandler is a, a matchup problem at the, at the power forward position. He's really a, a guy that can play the two or the three, and he has the size, so he's playing the four. We, we've got to be committed to containing the basketball, getting back, and forcing them to, uh, to beat us away from the rim and away from the paint. Hey, Coach, is it tougher as a coach uh, trying to game plan for a team that doesn't really have that one or two guys that you can key on and say they're going to handle the ball 80% of the time, they're going to run this with them, this is how they like to work. This team is deep. Everyone scores. Uh, you get guys doing different things. you got a bunch of guys that can handle the ball in transition, a bunch of guys that can run. Is it easier to do you know, this or is it harder to do this? And by this, I mean game planning for a team where you never know who's going to get 15, 20, 25. Right. It's it's. I would say, you know, it, it's a it's a difficult job because everybody has has a, a an assignment and a job to do because you know whoever you're defending can go out and get 15, 20, be the leading scorer, and quite honestly, be the you know the MVP of the series. It's probably easier, and I say that with all due respect because if you're facing the Miami Heat, and you're going to spend a lot of time on LeBron James, you're going to mm -hmm. spend a lot of time. You know, on Dwayne Wade, if you're facing the Knicks, Carmelo Anthony, or Kevin Durant, or Kobe Bryant, uh, and then you'll get to the other guys. So the task sounds easier, and it is easier, but at the same time, it's it's not a simple one because this is a dangerous basketball team that that has an awful lot of weapons. Does Andre Miller in his post-up game concern you at all? Uh, well, he's a guy that can post up. Um, you know, can demand a double team at times. Uh, looks to facilitate, looks to score on the block, um, and he's a crafty guy. So he's a guy that that certainly concerns us, but we do have the ability to to force him, you know, to make plays on the on the block. We will not overreact, but uh, I'm sure you know there, there could be times where uh, one of those adjustments will be, 
you know, uh, getting the ball out of his hands on the block. We'll read it and then we'll react. When you you posted up a lot as a as a point guard, and I remember how you. It seemed like. Tell me if I'm wrong. It seemed like you wanted to pass. Like when you were down there, you're waiting for the double team, looking for the double team. And if the double team didn't come, then you take advantage of your scoring opportunity. Do you see that in Miller at all? That he kind of baits you and wants you to come, and then he's very good at finding players, cutters, or spot up shooters. Yeah, I think he he does a good job of picking and choosing. You know when he's aggressive and and when he's looking to pass. There are times where he's you know posting up and he's in attack mode. Uh, with me, I was always fortunate enough to have you know a great shooter on the perimeter. You know whether it be Reggie Miller mm-hmm. or even a, a great big man that can shoot, a Patrick Ewing or a Rick Smith. Um, Andre Miller, with all due respect, those aren't the weapons that he has. The concerns with those guys. He's at, he has some good shooters, but he's got great cutters. Yeah. So those guys are alive when he's posting up. So we're going to have to be able to contain him on the block, but we also have to be able to help, but help with vision. Is that a lost art in basketball, knowing how to cut? Because back when we played, cutting was automatic. I mean, you'd get a four or five, and you'd space him out on the weak side. And as soon as the double team came, he would cut. And if you didn't pick him up, it'd be a dunk. If you picked him up, that would be open shoot, open lanes for your three-point shooters. And when I watch basketball now, I see a lot of guys standing around the perimeter, and I don't see a lot of guys that cut. I don't know if they want to cut. I don't know if they know how to cut, the timing of, of cutting. Is that something that's been lost a little bit in the game? To a degree, it certainly has. And I think part of the reason is because it takes energy, it takes effort, and it takes yeah. commitment. It's awfully tough when you're cutting and then you, you, you don't get the basketball. Then the next time you're like, man, I'm not cutting because I'm not getting the basketball anyway. But the good teams, you realize that in that aggressive, hard cut, you're opening up other opportunities. And so you got to be committed to it. On the post-ups, who palmed the ball more, you or Mark Aguirre? No, clearly Mark Aguirre. I was just good old-fashioned <laughs> pounding the basketball. I was not palming the basketball. Mark Aguirre mastered it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought one time I saw him have a cup of coffee in between dribbles. Are you kidding me? I used to have to guard that guy. He'd, like, hold the ball and then bump me and then put it back down. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but that's not legal. And then he'd, like, shoot it and make it, and the referees would laugh at me. And yeah, was... and then you tell the referees, do you see it? And they say, no, that's legal. And you know that it's not. Oh, absolutely. You know, if I did it, they'd call it. You know, it was it was illegal <laughs> for me, not for him. <laughs> oh, I remember Craig I remember Craig Ela one time told me, Jack, he uh, – Dominique's spin move that covered about three quarters of the court, and Dominique could fly, but there's no way that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> traveling. So Elo walked over to Hugh Hollins, I think it was, and he goes, "Hey Hugh, isn't that isn't that traveling by Dominique?" And he said, "If you were that talented, I might let you get away with it too." <laughs> it was it was always traveling for me until he became a Clipper. Then I high five him on the way back. Say great move. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, that was good stuff. Talking to Mark Jackson, head coach of the Golden State Warriors, getting ready for the Nuggets. How much how much new stuff do you put in, or maybe not new, but maybe little wrinkles here and there, or do you just say, you know, we do what we do. We just need to execute at a higher level, being that you're going to be seeing this team multiple times. No, one thing you don't want to do is make it too complicated i got yeah. a young basketball team we will have you know some wrinkles we will do some things but at the end of the day but we know who they are they know exactly who we are and it's about winning the ball games so uh we'll give some things towards what we think we got an advantage you know the, the different parts but at the end of the day the best team will win and uh we're excited about this opportunity
I've just seen that Steph Curry has won the Western Conference Player of the Month. Not the week, but the month. And it's been 23 years since the Warrior has done it. That was Chris Mullen. He did it twice. Bernard King did it once. Uh, I, I threw this out there a couple days ago, Jack, and you've played with a lot of great shooters. I mean, Reggie Miller is one of the best ever. Ray Allen's been a great shooter. I can go on and on down the list. I think there's a good chance that when Steph gets done with his career, he could be the greatest shooter in NBA history because he's a guy that's second on the career three-point shooting list behind Steve Kerr. But Steve, he needed someone to create shots for him. He was a spot-up shooter. Steph's a guy that shoots 44%, and teams are game-planning against him. Do you think uh, when you look at him, I mean, I know you said this is like the best shooting backcourt that you've ever seen. I mean, does he have a chance to be the best, the best shooter of all time? Well, he certainly has a chance, and I'm a guy that believes, um, you know, if you put those great shooters, you know, Reggie Miller, Chris Mullen, I played with Dale Curry and Dale mm-hmm. Ellis, you put Steph and those guys, Ray Allen, all the great ones, Larry Bird, you put them in one room, I'm not sure who comes out. But uh, when you look at Steph Curry's body of work, when you look at his ability to shoot, like you say, Steve Kerr was more of a spot-up guy. Mm-hmm. Richie Miller was a guy coming off the floppy action, and he was a spot-up guy also. This guy you know, can do it in a variety of ways. Stop and pop on a dime at the three-point line. Pull up off of floppy action. You know, One dribble pull-ups, two dribble pull-ups, spin move pull-ups. It doesn't matter. He's an all-time great shooter. And, and, and I wouldn't argue with you if you said that at the end of the day he'd be the greatest ever. He will certainly be in the discussion, or he is in the discussion, with anybody that's ever shot as far as I'm concerned. Hey, before I let you run, Jack, how important are Azili and Bogut going to be in this series? And maybe not just necessarily defending against McGee and Mozgov, but being that last line of events against a team that likes to attack the rim. Well, they're going to be very important. And, you know, one thing to look at is going to be important for those guys to be in position to be the last line of defense because yeah. of the way that that team sprints down the floor. So, what we don't want is to have, you know, our big guys the last guy down and then they have no impact at the rim because the ball is already through the rim. They've got to make sure that they make a commitment to get back and then contest, contain, put body on put bodies on guys and eliminate second chance opportunities. So they'll be very important for us. And uh and we got a lot of confidence in both of those guys and it's great to have Bo get back healthy. Do they have to be discerning and knowing what offensive rebounding opportunities are legitimate and not just try to go after everything? Um, you know, those guys, I want them to be offensive rebounders. More mm-hmm. so, uh, the onus will be on the, the one, two, and three to get back on a defensive end. And, you know, even with those guys, there's going to be times, you know, George Carl could play, you know, five perimeter guys on the floor. So yeah. it's going to be, you know, interesting to see. we got to make them pay the price on the other end, and those guys got to be very involved on the defensive end. Hey, Jack, best of luck. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, and I'll see you over at the arena tomorrow, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. All right, take it easy, Coach.